0: WABC New York and 107.1 WLIR hampton Bays.
1: It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Laden. All the news you need to know. With Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah. On 77 WABC. Laden on this Thursday. It's December 21st. Let's get you your Ramsey Mazda three-day weather forecast to start things off. 35 degrees this morning. Skies are clear around the tri-state. Later today, sunny getting up to 40. Overnight into Friday, clear, falling to 29. And then tomorrow, Friday, sunny. The high near 38, although with the wind chill values, more like 25 to 35. Saturday, cloudy, topping out at 44 degrees. 35 right now in midtown Manhattan. 31 in Kenilon, New Jersey. And 34 in Kings Park on long island that's the weather forecast from the ramsey mazda weather center so last saturday i got my christmas shopping done went out to willowbrook mall took care of one of my brothers took care of my parents uh my one brother i already got something for uh with the online shopping thing and then my husband and i bought some clothes for each other that we will wrap and give each other on christmas that's kind of how we do it it's like you know don't worry about buying gifts. we got these clothes we need them whatever we'll give them to each other that day but i was amazed and shows I'm really behind the times, not a regular shopper, as this new technology where you just drop the clothes in the bin and the pricing system tells you what you owe right away it was, like, amazing to me. This was at Uniqlo, and it really makes the checkout counter guy's job, especially soulless these days, because the people are just like, I'll just drop it in the hole there. And boom, then they say, okay, that's what you owe. And I have to say, the mall was pretty busy. But it's kind of nice now. It's kind of festive in a way. Like, the lines aren't bad, but the energy is there. There's the kids seeing Santa and stuff like that. I feel like online shopping blunted the mall a little bit this time of year. But at least the big ones, you know, here in the Tri-State, it didn't kill the mall. And not far from where I was shopping last weekend at Willowbrook in Wayne, it was sort of the calm before the storm, literally, because that was Saturday and then Sunday Especially overnight into Monday, that, you know, heavy rainfall led to devastating flooding in North Jersey, which people are still experiencing, by the way. We're talking mostly about Little Falls, Patterson, other communities along the Passaic River, which went over its banks earlier this week. The river is cresting, but the water level is still rising in some spots. Believe it or not, after all that rain last weekend into Monday, up the river from Patterson, there's a reservoir which is now overfilled and so that has to be managed. you let water out of that with a release valve more flooding downstream. So people were still being rescued by boat in Little Falls yesterday. Homes in Patterson have water all the way up to their front doors and school has been canceled for the rest of the week there in the Silk City. but yeah, those rescues still being made yesterday. The water kept on flowing up that the house might um, burst o- the
0: door will burst open.
1: Patterson Mayor Andre Saya saying, the river crested at over 10 feet high. It's the highest in recent history. So with the Passaic River still well over its banks, spilling into homes and over vehicles in places like Patterson, Lincoln Park, Fairfield, the Passaic Week said has crested, but still forecast to remain in major or moderate flood stage for the rest of the week. And there was no school yesterday in Fairfield either. Back in the city now, 13 people were hurt last night when an MTA bus collided with a garbage truck. This was up in the Bronx. Officials describing the victim's injuries as minor, but all of them were taken to hospitals. And this happened at Bruckner Boulevard and Hunts Point Avenue in the Longwood section. Apparently, the truck driver hit the bus head-on and then crashed into a concrete barrier. And the investigation did trigger delays on the BX-5 and BX-6 bus lines. But again, the injuries described as minor. Thousands of Con Ed customers were left without power after a Transformer fire on Staten Island yesterday. During the afternoon, roughly 3,700 people left without power. 60 firefighters and EMS personnel responded. No reported injuries, however. Con Edison was able to get the power back, and details surrounding the fire unknown. Upwards of 450 residents have to find a new place to live in Sunnyside, Queens, after a five-alarm fire ripped through an apartment building yesterday. The flames broke out just before noon inside of the sixth floor of the six-story building. And the biggest issue, really, for the building itself is all the water that the fire department had to use, as this was all the way up on the sixth floor, all that water cascading down, and some of the building's units in the floors below the fire itself have two feet of standing water inside them now. FDNY Chief Tom Corral.
0: Very heavy fire damage throughout the building, either from the fire condition uh, or from the uh, water that was applied.
1: And Assistant Chief Cesar Escobar going into further detail on the injuries as upwards of I guess over a dozen people were hurt in some fashion. We
0: did transport several civilians to area hospitals in non-life-threatening conditions. We did have uh, uh, a firefighter who was transported to a
1: hospital uh, in serious but stable condition. So the Red Cross is helping to relocate some of those impacted eyewitness news cameras were there to catch some of what happened, and they spoke to residents. I
0: don't know what to think. I know, I know we lost everything. That, That much I know. Some people said everything is gone. I don't know. It's, it's five days before Christmas. It's horrible. I've been seeing you know, people coming home from work that didn't know what was going on, and their stuff is gone. It's cold. It's horrible. It's Christmas season. It's not a good day.
1: Yeah, never a good time to obviously have your home be so affected by a fire, and then all the water, all the, all the damage to you know, everything you own, and got to find a new place to live. The FDNY is investigating the potential cause of the fire. And it was a busy day yesterday for the New York City Council. We'll get into that in just a second here. As the New York City Council local lawmakers have advanced two controversial bills. But Mayor Adams apparently does not plan to sign those bills. We'll talk about that in a second. So the New York City Council is advancing two controversial
0: bills. These bills disrespect our police officers, corrections officers, and everyday New Yorkers from every community. I am deeply proud deeply proud to be a part of this body today that is passing transformative criminal justice legislation. Yep.
1: Yesterday, the council approved a measure that will require NYPD officers to report more interactions with the public. And basically, this comes down to, you know, anytime you interact with a cop, they're going to have to fill out a report that says, this is what we talked about. Uh, this is what the person was in terms of their age, their their race, their gender, which I guess cops are going to have to Try to clarify somehow. And Speaker Adrienne Adams, she maintains that the legislation does not require officers to track low-level encounters, like giving tourists directions, but will provide more data transparency. And that said, detractors say the bill more or less forces cops to spend an unending amount of time doing paperwork. And that'll, you know, take them off the streets and stop them from doing important police work. But more or less, it's about, you know, stops and, and frisks and that type of stuff and whether or not cops are showing bias in who they approach and speak to. The bill requiring NYPD officers to report all encounters on the street was passed by 35 yeses within the city council and nine noes. Excessive
0: reporting with, with the current police force that we have, which is really down to historic lows, will hinder police efficiency, keeping officers behind desks instead of on patrol. We're talking about a reporting bill. A reporting bill. A few questions on an iPhone.
1: This council also voted to eliminate most uses of solitary confinement in city jails. That was a vote of 39 to 7. The council moving to eliminate most uses of solitary confinement.
0: Solitary confinement is torture, period. And I'm proud the city council is voting to end it in this city. Wake up. There's no such thing as solitary confinement. The hole has been covered up now and filled in for 10 years or more.
1: And Mayor Eric Adams says he plans to veto both measures. He said that the bills are long on idealism, but don't take into effect the, you know, reality based uh, what's going to result as a, as a, what is going to result in reality after the legislation takes effect. The council can override Adams' veto. With a two thirds majority. The city's migrant crisis doesn't appear to be easing up anytime soon, much to Mayor Adams' chagrin. And the mayor spoke about the problem last night exclusively on 77WABC's Katz and Cosby program.
0: More and more migrants continue to arrive in the city with as many as 4,000 recently in one week. Mayor Adams appearing on the Katz and Cosby program says the situation is complex and people have often asked well, Eric, why don't you stop the buses because we're not allowed to you know why don't you uh, uh, put place, p- 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 place people back in these places where they're sending them to we're not allowed to do that we're not allowed to tell uh, people we're not going to give them their basic needs at the same time the mayor says this is killing the city financially with a seven billion dollar deficit this is not sustainable. I'm Bob Brown for 77 WABC News.
1: And after last night's Cats and Cosby program, we had the WABC office Christmas party here at the studio, or holiday party if you prefer. And more than half of all offices do throw an office Christmas party, you know, nearly 57%.
0: One trust did a study, and it turns out that an office holiday party is a great place to get frisky with your coworker. Thirty-nine percent of people polled admitted to getting busy at the office holiday bash. Twenty-five percent say it was in the car parking lot, twenty-one percent say the boardroom, and sixteen percent in their boss's office. And according to the study, senior managers were getting busy the most. I'm Bree Tennis.
1: Oh, that is racy. And let me give some props to the party last night. It had an open bar catered hot food, some delicious pigs in a blanket, or cocktail weenies, if you prefer that term. And it's worth noting, as my former iHeartRadio colleague once said, cold pasta and sandwiches is not a holiday party. So last night definitely was not cold pasta and sandwiches. We had a good time. And I had a chance to catch up at that 77 WABC holiday party with the legend Ernie Anastas, who was telling us about his time in Chicago, Boston, Providence, You know, this is a guy who's a titan of both news, radio, and TV, as well as staying positive. And he gave me some great advice. He said, you know, when it comes to doing the news, you want to be... I'm trying to remember exactly how he said it, but solid as a rock, but then kind of throw in some unpredictability. Like, you don't want to get too stale or go on autopilot. Because he said doing the news can sort of be like driving in that way. So I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do that's unpredictable right now. But as far as Ernie Anastas and in connection to the holidays... Today at 11 a.m., we'd love for you to join us as Ernie is hosting the first annual Christmas Carols concert at St. Nicholas Greek Orthodox Church and National Shrine down at the World Trade Center. And I'll tell you one thing that's definitely unexpected for me as a broadcaster is getting the chance to throw it to Ernie Anastas. Okay,
0: this is a very exciting day in lower Manhattan. The St. Nicholas Greek Orthodox Church and National Shrine at the World Trade Center, holding its first annual Christmas caroling event. You know, there are many young students here from the St. Demetrius School in Astoria performing the Christmas carols. The Archbishop of the Greek Orthodox Archdiocese, his eminence Elpidophoros, the forrest,
1: is here along with the Reverend Andreas and his lovely wife Anthula who are hosting the event. Well, as you know, thousands come to visit the World Trade center and memorial every year and also see the national shrine saint nicholas church to find a little moment of peace and reflection and i'm very happy to be here as well to MC the event celebrating a wonderful christmas holiday with
0: all the children here and the many visitors who are stopping by ernie anastas at saint nicholas church and the national shrine at the world trade center wabc news yep
1: that's today at 11 a.m that first annual Christmas carol sung by the children of St. Demetrio School of Astoria, hosted by Ernie there at the St. Nicholas Greek Orthodox Church and National Shrine. So yesterday was National Signing Day, and Rutgers snagged a big commitment. Blue-chip safety Kaj Sanders out of Bergen Catholic signing with the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. It is... WABC News time five fifteen right now this Thursday morning, and so we're going to check in with Justin Ellick and get the latest in sports.
0: Thank you, uh, James Culpan. Yeah, that is a big get. Uh, UGA again with the uh, top recruiting class there. I don't think that comes as much of a surprise, although they did not make the college football playoff this year, and a bit of a uh, controversial pick. But they just keep loading up, though, Georgia. Just, That's crazy. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, it's basically a uh, a breeding ground for NFL talent.
1: Right. You know. I'm sure your birds will draft a defensive lineman out of there sometime soon. I
0: wouldn't hate it. I wouldn't hate it. They seem to be uh, liking Philadelphia a lot these days. Anyway, on to professional sports here, uh, James. Starting on the hardwood where the Knicks have regained control of New York's NBA basketball rivalry with their 121-102 win over the Nets in Brooklyn last night. Julius Randle scored 26 points. Dante DiVincenzo added 23, and the Knicks secure their first victory at Barclays in four years. Emmanuel quickly had 19 points, in and Jalen Brunson finished off with 16, eight assists, and seven rebounds for the Knicks, who lost nine straight meetings when uh, KD and Kyrie were in Brooklyn. They've easily won all three matchups since the Nets traded those two stars last season, and now the Knicks have ended a six-game losing streak across town where they hadn't won since December 26th of 2019. Both teams were playing their first games back after returning from trips out west and the Knicks played with far more energy while leading nearly the entire game. It's just a tightly knit group. DeVincenzo made five three-pointers and grabbed eight rebounds, while Josh Hart had 10 points and 13 rebounds off the bench. Julius Randall put it best following the game when he told ESPN, quote, everything's back to normal. On the ice last night, the Islanders were the only local squad in action, falling to the Capitals 3-2 in overtime in D.C. Dylan Strom scored on the power play in overtime to put the Isles away after the goal stood up. To the official's video inquiry. The Arles uh, were playing on the second of back-to-back nights, but were able to squeeze out the one point last night thanks to Hudson Fashion scoring early in the second, and Captain Anders Lee tied it up with eight minutes left in regulation. Tonight we've got Devils hockey to look forward to with New Jersey getting set to welcome in the Edmonton Oilers for 7.30 p.m. puck drop. And it is Thursday, which means Week 16 in the NFL kicks off tonight on Thursday Night Football. The New Orleans Saints We'll visit the Rams in Los Angeles for an 8:15 p.m. kickoff. LA heads in as four-point home favorites. That's Sports James, and I'm Justin Ollie on 77 WABC.
1: Good morning, and thank you for spending part of your Thursday morning with us, James Flippin, filling in for Noam Layden on the 5 a.m. news hour here, Thursday, December 21st. So, like we said before, sports before traffic. Last night was the 77 WABC Christmas or holiday party here at the office, and overnight with Frank Morano, they were talking about underrated Christmas movies well it turns out one of the most popular Christmas songs in the world possibly penned in Georgia maybe Massachusetts wasn't actually written for the holiday after all yeah how about some unknown or an unknown Thanksgiving song.
0: Historians say Jingle Bells was originally written as a Thanksgiving song by James Lord Pierpont. Many believe he wrote the song in Medford, Massachusetts. Others claim he wrote the song in Savannah in 1857, and historians say that even if it wasn't written in Savannah, Pierpont copyrighted Jingle Bells in Georgia. I'm Liz Kennedy.
1: 1857, got to love that. Back here in the tri-state, but connecting to congressional politics, the longtime campaign and legal defense fundraiser for Senator Bob Menendez of New Jersey, New Jersey's senior senator, that's Samantha Maltzman, has resigned from his staff. Maltzman has been the senator's finance director for more than a dozen years, and Menendez's fundraising has certainly slowed since his indictment on federal corruption charges in September in Manhattan Federal grand jury hit him with those charges, accusing Menendez of accepting things like bribes, gold, bars, uh, a car, uh, an apartment, all kinds of stuff, allegedly in exchange for Menendez leaning on the Department of Justice in connection to an Egyptian businessman who faced some trouble. The FAA is continuing to investigate the double fatal helicopter crash that occurred in the Wharton State Forest in New Jersey shortly after midnight Tuesday. The victims have since been identified as a pilot, 67-year-old Monroe Smith and a photojournalist for 6ABC Action News Philadelphia, 45-year-old Christopher Doherty. The station confirming their identities, saying they had been a part of the Action News team for years and apparently they were both returning from an assignment at the Jersey Shore when the accident occurred. And investigations underway after a teenager was shot in Newark yesterday. Authorities say the 13-year-old boy was hit in the chest with a shot and taken to University Hospital in stable condition. It happened just before 1045 a.m. on the 100 block of Leslie Street. And Newark's public safety director says the incident led to a brief lockdown in a nearby school that's braggaw avenue school more or less in the upper clinton hill neighborhood of newark on leslie street there and pivoting to some international news now but it connects obviously to the us of a and that meeting between president biden and chinese president xi out in san francisco earlier this year apparently president xi warned president biden that beijing will reunify taiwan with mainland China. That's according to three current and former U.S. officials who discussed a recent summit attended by the leaders in San Francisco. She told Biden in a group meeting that China would prefer to take Taiwan peacefully, not by force. China's leader also referenced public predictions from the U.S. military, who said she plans to take Taiwan in 2025 and 2027, saying they're incorrect because he has not yet set a time frame. I'm Mark Mayfield. Uh, members of the Biden administration, by the way, talking a lot about holiday travel this week. Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg chiming in earlier this week as obviously we can all remember last year's travel holiday nightmare when Southwest Airlines more or less melted down. And earlier this week, Congressman Josh Gottheimer of New Jersey spoke out concerning air traffic controller capacity, which is at just 54% in Newark and at LaGuardia at JFK. Now, a new sensory room is open at Newark's Liberty International Airport. It's designed to release the stress of air travel. It's a 1,000-square-foot area created for neurodivergent travelers and travelers on the autism spectrum who maybe need a break from all the excessive stimuli there at the airport. And it's in Terminal A. When you step in that space, visitors experience a serene riverbank with warm lighting, colorful carpeting, and soft textures depicting a sandy beach along with a massive tank that have saltwater fish. Port Authority Vice Chair Jeffrey Linford has a daughter on the autism spectrum, and his wife chairs the Anderson Center for Autism, which helped design the space. And Chair Linford says a sensory room like this can really help an entire family deal with the stress of traveling through the airport. And, of course, that's especially true this time of year. Not far from where I'm speaking to you right now, on the east side of Manhattan, the United Nations Security Council has yet again delayed a vote regarding the Israel-Hamas war and whether or not there should be a ceasefire put into place per the U.N. Security Council. And, of course, the U.N. Security Council is focused on what they're talking about with the humanitarian crisis in Gaza, and it's been postponed already uh, at least once with this vote on the potential ceasefire the Council met yesterday To vote on a resolution that would call for it immediately, as well as an increase in humanitarian aid deliveries. Hours of tense negotiations unfolded. The United States requested the vote be delayed until 10 a.m. this morning. Meanwhile, talks surrounding another hostage deal appear to be at a standstill. And human rights groups say the majority of Gaza's population has been displaced. I guess more or less what Hamas has said is they won't release any more hostages until the fighting stops. And they've also put in certain demands that say they need to get back, at you know, senior leaders of Hamas in this next prisoner swap, or they're not going to do it. The Israeli military, by the way, says they found tunnels under Gaza City leading directly to the houses of senior Hamas officials. The military claimed yesterday that some of the tunnels are 60 feet below ground or more and have electricity, plumbing and surveillance cameras. Amid that ongoing war, some Palestinian-Americans say the bloodshed in Gaza is personal.
0: A group of Palestinian-Americans who live in New Jersey say they've lost a 1,000 family members in Gaza during the war. 32 family members of my family, were; um, their house was bombed. Half of them are still under the rubble. Over 90 uh, family members of mine. In no a matter of a few hours... Over 104 members of my family. The families were total strangers before the war started, but were brought together by the Council on American-Islamic Relations. They're urging the White House to call for a ceasefire between Israel and Hamas so they can go in and bury their loved ones. Noam Leighton, W E B C News.
1: IKEA is experiencing delays due to Houthi rebels attacking ships in the Red Sea. The Swedish furniture company... Said in a statement, the situation in the Suez Canal will result in delays. And it also said that its transportation partners plan to keep working to keep IKEA's value chain safe. IKEA claims it's evaluating other supply routing options. WABC News Time 529. James Flippin filling in for Noam Laden this morning on Thursday, December 21st. The big 2024 is here. No, not on the calendar for another 10 days. But the New Year's Eve numbers are here in the city. And you can go take a picture with them through Friday in Times Square. Plus, X is back online after an outage. Charter buses aren't enough for Texas Governor Greg Abbott. And Long Island cops responded to a situation yender- yesterday that ended in a suicide. We've got more on that, plus much more. Here on the 5 a.m. news hour. James Flippin filling in for Noam Laden. The 77 WABC News Hour. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Laden. All the news you need to know. With Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah. On 77 WABC. Good morning, James Flippin, filling in for Noam this morning. It's Thursday, December 21st. Let's get your Ramsey Mazda three-day weather forecast here. 35 degrees this morning. Skies clear around the tri-state later today. Sunny getting up to 40. Overnight into Friday, clear, falling to 29. Tomorrow, Friday, sunny with a high near 38, but with the wind chill. It will feel more like 25 or somewhere in between 25 and 35. Saturday, cloudy, topping out at 44 degrees, 35 right now in Midtown, 31 in Kenilon, New Jersey, 34 in Kings Park on Long Island. And that is the weather forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. So after they were on display down in Philadelphia, the big 2024 numbers are now in Times Square, where they will be hoisted high for the ball drop. Jeff Strauss is with Countdown Entertainment. The party is ready to begin. We're going to be celebrating. We're going to start with a huge Chinese lion dance to celebrate the Year of the Dragon and then all types of entertainment. It's eclectic mix. It's going to be a bright new year. It really is amazing when you think about it that the eyes of the world, over a billion people be watching
0: these numerals when they light up
1: on January 1st. The numerals are seven feet tall. They weigh over 1,000 pounds and include 588 big light bulbs. A Long Island man dead of an apparent suicide after exchanging gunfire with cops yesterday in the morning. Cops rushed to a home on Wigan Street. This was in Lake Ronkakama. Just before 9 a.m., a 911 call had come in reporting a guy was drunk and suicidal and that he had a gun. So police showed up. They say that Pedro Loriano walked outside and traded shots with police. He then went back inside. And sometime later, Suffolk police say they heard more gunfire. Inside the house, they found the 55-year-old man dead from what they say is a self-inflicted gunshot wound. An investigation underway. The social media platform X, once known as Twitter, back online after a global outage. Over 70,000 U.S.-based users reported issues early today, as did users in Canada, Britain, France, and other countries. X users say their feed stopped updating shortly after midnight this morning, some unable to view posts, The cause of the outage, not yet known. Well, Texas Governor Greg Abbott has been busy this week. He signed into effect legislation that makes it a state crime in Texas to illegally cross the border, in addition to the federal legislation that obviously already exists. And now there are plans for him to fly migrants to sanctuary cities after previously using charter buses. And apparently the first flight landed this week at Chicago's O'Hare Airport. 120 people on that flight. Governor Abbott's office says everybody on board signed voluntary waivers. And more flights are being planned. The governor says any sanctuary city is fair game. Of course, that does include New York City. A new poll shows 42% of Republicans who plan to vote in the Iowa caucus are more likely to support former President Trump. After he made some recent remarks concerning immigrants, Trump recently said at a rally that migrants are poisoning the blood of the country. And then, you know, some are drawing comparisons from that statement and comparing it to Adolf Hitler. That's sort of a campaign tactic right now for the Biden administration. And this poll from the Des Moines Register, NBC News, and Mediacom showed Iowa Republican caucus-goers are more tempted vote for Trump after these comments, and that probably speaks to the importance of the migrant issue. Meanwhile, 28% said the comments made them less likely to support Trump. Senator Tom Tillis is taking action after this week's decision from the Colorado State Supreme Court, which ruled that former President Trump will be banned from the state's 2024 presidential primary ballot.
0: The North Carolina Republican announced he'll soon introduce a bill called the Constitutional Election Integrity Act. It would prevent states from disqualifying presidential candidates from the ballot on constitutional matters that should be decided by the U.S. Supreme Court. He says American voters, not partisan activists, should decide who we elect as president. In Raleigh, I'm Lisa Taylor.
1: And we're hearing from some prominent voices on both sides of the political aisle regarding whether or not Trump should, in fact, be left off the Colorado 2024 primary ballot. President Biden was on the tarmac yesterday saying... It's self-evident. He saw it all. Now, whether the 14th Amendment applies, I'll let the court make that decision. But he certainly supported an insurrection. No question about it. None. Zero. And uh, he seems to be doubling down on about everything. Anyway. Most Republican candidates for president saying the voters, and not the courts, should decide... Vivek Ramaswamy taking it a step further. I
0: would pledge to withdraw from the Colorado GOP primary ballot unless Trump or every other candidate is also able to run.
1: Nikki Haley, Ron DeSantis, Chris Christie also criticized the decision in various ways. In fact, pretty surprising to see GOP candidate and former New Jersey governor Chris Christie coming to Trump's defense. I
0: do not believe Donald Trump should be prevented from being president of the United States by any court. I think he should be prevented from being president of the United States by the voters of this country.
1: All right, well, that's more like it. WABC News Time 537. So, President Trump's campaign says he'll swiftly file an appeal to the U.S. Supreme Court after the Colorado Supreme Court said on Tuesday Trump violated the 14th Amendment's insurrectionist ban, which goes back to the Civil War, by the way. And that was on January 6th, 2021, when Trump allegedly encouraged the violent demonstrations at the u.s capitol but by filing the appeal by january 4th trump's name automatically remains on the ballot in colorado until the ongoing situation can be resolved president biden is getting a visit from the queen of christmas ah! And Mariah Carey paid a visit to the White House last week with her 12-year-old twins, Monroe and Moroccan, and shared photos of the visit on her Instagram page yesterday. Besides posing with the president, the Carey family took photos with Vice President Kamala Harris and her husband, Doug Emhoff. And, of course, Carey was hanging up some decorations on the White House Christmas tree. Her holiday classic, All I Want for Christmas is You, is currently the number one song in the U.S. And I think she knocked off Brenda Lee's rocking around the Christmas tree, as a matter of fact. I'm just
0: care, love, she sees a friend.
1: Ryan Gosling is giving Barbie fans an early Christmas gift. The actor teamed with Barbie, the album producer, Mark Ronson, to release Ken, the EP, yesterday. It features three new versions of the wildly popular song, I'm Just Ken, from this summer's big blockbuster movie. And the highest grossing movies of 2023 have been revealed. Nothing topped Greta Gerwig's Barbie, which raked in more than $1.4 billion since hitting the theaters in July. Christopher Nolan's historical drama Oppenheimer and the Super Mario Brothers movie rounded out the top three. Other movies ranking in the top ten included Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part 1, Fast 10, and Ant-Man and the Wasp, Mania. Getting into some financial news here this morning, Warner Brothers Discovery is in talks with Paramount about a potential merger. The CEOs of each company met here in New York City this week, per Axios. And the company's merging would be a massive news and entertainment establishment. According to Axios, it could set the tone for even more consolidation in the industry. And the pair of executives reportedly discussed how their businesses could complement each other. Google will restrict the types of election-related questions its generative AI products will respond to. Ahead of the 2024 presidential contest, the tech giant said in a blog post, it's making the change early next year out of an abundance of caution on such an important topic. Google saying it will continue efforts to safeguard its platforms and help users make informed decisions by providing more accurate information to voters and provide campaigns with high-quality security. Of course, this kind of gets into the whole issue with ai where somebody has to write those programs right like somebody writes the answers that the ai thing can kind of come up with and suggests little ways that it can use search engines at an advanced level to find ways to generate new content or or, you know kind of regenerated content and there's a bias inherent in there we've seen it with chat gpt and stuff like that so google can say that it's trying to keep it neutral but we'll see Sirius XM Satellite Radio is being sued for allegedly trapping customers in subscriptions and making it difficult for them to cancel. New York Attorney General Letitia James announced the lawsuit yesterday after an investigation allegedly found the company, Sirius XM, forces its subscribers to call or chat online with an agent to cancel a subscription. And then, apparently, the claim is the company then deliberately draws out those interactions as part of its strategy. James alleging that uh, training practices are more or less telling uh, people there on the phone, associates, don't take no for an answer. You know, don't let them cancel. James saying the tricky cancellation process is illegal. Along Wall Street, stocks, U.S. stocks finished lower yesterday. Wall Street veterans saying traders were more or less reacting to overbought conditions as the Dow and NASDAQ composite have been on a nine-day winning streak all three major averages by the way are on pace for a winning december a winning 2023 as a whole and investors are eyeing potential fed rate cuts in 2024 but fed officials are a little hesitant as financial markets surge here over the last year and the potential for central bank interest rate cuts next year all the talking point on wall street fed chair jerome powell said at a news conference yesterday that we are, quote, likely at or near the peak rate for this cycle. And the Fed did hold rates steady for a third meeting in a row last week, suggesting its aggressive rate hike campaign may be at a close. Checking yesterday's economic data, existing home sales rose slightly in November, and that's as mortgage rates fell. U.S. consumer confidence increased again here in December, and it surged by its highest amount since early 2021 automaker toyota recalling more than 1 million vehicles for potential airbag issues toyota motor announced the recall yesterday saying a short circuit in a sensor could cause airbags to not properly deploy this recalls for 2020 through 2022 model year vehicles including various corolla camry Avalon and Sienna hybrid uh, vehicles. The automaker says it'll start notifying owners about the recall in February of next year. Dealers will inspect the sensors and replace them as needed. WABC News Time 545 and we're going to turn to Justin Ellick now and get the latest from the
0: world of sports. Thank you, James. We'll start here on the Hardwood where the Knicks have regained control of New York's NBA basketball rivalry with their 121-102 121-102 win over the Nets in Brooklyn last night. Julius Randle scored 26 points. Dante DiVincenzo added 23. And the Knicks secure their first victory at Barclays Center in four years. Emmanuel quickly had 19 points. and Jalen Brunson finished with 16 points, eight assists, and seven rebounds for the Knicks, who lost nine straight meetings when KD and Kyrie were in BK. The Knicks have easily won all three matchups since the Nets traded those two stars last season. Now the Knicks have ended a six-game losing streak across town where they hadn't won since December of 2019. Both teams were playing their first games back after returning from trips to the West. And the Knicks played with far more energy while awaiting nearly the entire game. DiVincenzo made five three-pointers and grabbed eight rebounds. Well, Josh Hart, Josh Hart, I should say, had 10 points and 13 rebounds off the bench. Julius Randall put it best following the game when he told ESPN, quote, everything's back to normal. And I just want to thank, uh, our traffic guy, the great Joan Nolan for bringing this to my attention in collegiate hardwood action last night. Seton Hall upsetting number five UConn and they did it handedly. 75 to 60. I mean, how about that final score? So, congrats, go to Pirates! Yeah, oh, Pirates! My God, seventy-five to 60 fifteen-point victory for Seton Hall over number five UConn last night on the ice. The Islanders were the only local squad in action, falling to the Capitals three to two in overtime in D.C. Dylan Strome scored on the power play in overtime to put the Isles away after the goal stood up to the officials' video inquiry. The uh, Isles were playing on the second of back-to-back nights. But we're able to squeeze out the one point last night thanks to Hudson Fashion scoring early in the second and Captain Anders Lee tying it up uh, with eight minutes left in regulation. Tonight we've got double hockey to look forward to with New Jersey getting set to welcome in the Edmonton Oilers for a 7.30 p.m. puck drop. And it is Thursday, which means Week 16 in the NFL kicks off tonight on Thursday Night Football. The New Orleans Saints will visit the Rams in Los Angeles for an 8.15 p.m. kickoff. L.A. heads in as four-point favorites there. That's sports. James and I'm uh, Justin Ellick on 77 WABC.
1: WABC News Time 5:49. James Flippin filling in for Noam Laden this morning. And you know what? Forget sports. How about the winners in the big snowplow naming contest? Two winners have been announced in the first ever snowplow naming contest in New Jersey's Monmouth County. Diego Vieira, an elementary school student in Long Branch, came up with the name Snow Force One. Caden Felder, a student at Woodrow Wilson School in Neptune City, submitted the fast and the Flurious. The contest was open to all students, teachers, and schools in the county, and the students helped unveil the snowplows with the winning names on them. Well, I don't know about you, but I've never felt more seen as a resident of New Jersey as I feel like my fellow residents totally nailed it with this next one. Big pieces, little pieces, masterpieces, Reese's Pieces, pieces. Yeah, the Garden State most definitely does apparently love Reese's Pieces. A new survey reports New Jerseyans prefer chocolate and peanut butter when it comes to their favorite holiday candy. This survey from HubScore looked at holiday favorites among all 50 states. And in New Jersey, the survey found Reese's Pieces ranked tops with residents. And that does represent a change from another survey, by the way, just a few weeks ago com concluded Skittles were the holiday favorites in the Garden State. All right. The FTC is proposing new online privacy measures for children. The changes look to strengthen the Children's Online Privacy Protection Act of 1998, which restricted online tracking for minors on the Internet by social media apps, digital advertisers, video games, and retailers. According to regulators, these new rules would shift the burden of safety online from parents to these apps and digital services. The rules also include certain services online that must be turned off when targeting advertising for kids under the age of 13. Governor Kathy Hochul in New York putting $100 million towards expanding access to child care across the state.
0: As the first mother of New York, first woman who ever held this position who has children, who knows the challenges of child care, uh, the affordability crisis, even finding enough slots, I, I know what this can do. It-
1: Hochul saying New York has capped child care costs and expanded the child care tax credit.
0: We're focused on affordability, making life uh, easier, more affordable
1: here in the state of New York, and, and focusing on our families will give them the resources they need to
0: thrive in our state and also help our employers uh, be the place people want to work.
1: So like we said, $100 million for child care. Hochul says $50 million goes towards providing grants to build new child care centers or help existing centers grow. The remaining $50 million will be allocated to tax rebates for eligible businesses that create or expand infant and toddler care centers. Hochul says quality child care is critical for so many working families. She's also targeting, by the way, separate legislation we're talking about now, the presence of lead pipes. Hochul just signed the Lead Pipe Right to Know Act, and that aims to protect New Yorkers from the public health risks posed by lead pipes. It builds on federal standards, and requires water utilities statewide to publicly share how many lead service lines are present in their distribution system. And they also make the, they must make the information readily available so that public resources can go towards removing local effort, or helping local efforts removing lead pipes. Less than half of all adults in the U.S. say they got their annual flu shot this year. Even less say they got the most recent COVID booster. A Gallup poll found 47% got their flu vaccine this season. Only 29% got the updated COVID shot. And another one in five respondents say they do plan to get the booster, but haven't yet. About half said they won't get the updated COVID vaccine. Well, health officials are talking about a new variant of COVID. A new COVID-19 subvariant
0: is on the rise this holiday season. City Health Commissioner Ashwin Vassin says the new variant is known as JN1. It's out the other variants, which means it's spreading faster, but it's not causing more severe disease. Vassin says this does warrant some smart decisions. He says wearing a mask does reduce the risk of respiratory viruses. I'm Bob Brown for 77 WABC News.
1: Well, that's good. I'm not wearing a mask. That's just me. I mean, I'd be lying if I said I don't judge people on the train and stuff like that, but whatever. Do you? I'm just not. The U.S. just completed a prisoner swap deal with Venezuela. Savoy Wright was one of the six people that arrived in San Antonio this week as part of the agreement.
0: Free at last. Free at last. Thank God Almighty. Free at last. Very emotional. Exciting. Grateful. So much gratitude for for the moment, for the United States of America, for for all of you and, and for the, the opportunity to come
1: home. The Biden administration releasing a close ally of Venezuelan President Nicolas Maduro in exchange for 10 Americans detained in the South American country. Avon Hernandez was another one of the six Americans that arrived there in Texas this week.
0: All you think about when you're in prison is how you didn't appreciate being free while you were free. There's no way to understand what it's like to be in prison unjustly. And not have any way
1: up. Hernandez said he did endorse psychological mistreatment. If
0: you find peace there, they make, they do everything in their power for you to lose that peace and to try to make you go crazy. They, they have a lot of psychological tactics that will make you, you know, uh, lose your temper.
1: The six brought back together to the U.S. had been deemed wrongfully detained. Venezuela has also agreed to extradite Leonard Glenn Francis, a former defense contractor who's At the center of one of the Navy's largest corruption cases and who fled the U.S., another additional 20 Venezuelan political prisoners will be released from custody. The San Francisco Police Department praising the number of arrests it's made for open-air drug use over the past six months. Business owners say they've seen less crime and more customers there in San Fran. The police presence is definitely a positive effect. I think also having APEC here at the beginning of November also kind of helped to bring people back in. Yeah, APEC, that uh, summit where President Biden and President Xi met and had some discussions, apparently, as we reported earlier this hour, President Xi told Biden that China will take Taiwan at some point, although they prefer to do it peacefully. We have reached the international news section of our show this morning. England's hospitals are expecting major disruption once again as junior doctors are going on a three-day strike over a pay dispute. And reports out of London note this will be the 26th day of strike action this year.
0: Some emergency rooms will be closed due to the shortage of qualified personnel. Junior doctors are those who have just graduated university, up to those with 10 years of experience. And they make up nearly half of all public health doctors. Members of the union going on strike are calling for a 35% increase in pay, which they say is justified due to below inflation pay rises for more than the last decade. But that's far more than the offer on the table from the government, which is a 12% rise. Stuart Smith, London.
1: And the European Union has reached a deal on historic reforms to the way it deals with asylum seekers. More now from Brussels. In many ways, this deal has been eight years in
0: the making. This new system will make it harder to claim asylum in the EU, with tougher checks at the border and faster deportations. Successful asylum seekers will now be redistributed across the Union, taking the pressure off countries like Greece and Italy. But Amnesty International says this plan will lead to a surge in suffering because it focuses on preventing people from claiming asylum rather than giving them an efficient route to do so. Alex Cadier, Brussels.
1: And there will be another sit-down next month between MTA officials and New Jersey leaders over the Garden State's congestion pricing lawsuit, a meeting set for January 5th as New Jersey's lawsuit aims to put the brakes on the plan that will charge a $15 toll for drivers entering Manhattan south of 60th Street wabc news time 559 on this thursday morning december 21st james flippen filling in for noam layton and we're going to turn now to the executive producer of sid and friends in the morning justin ellick he's got a preview of what's coming up this morning
0: thank you james flippen a couple minutes out from your uh, friday eve second to last show of the year for uh, Sid and friends in the morning here, bottom of each hour. We don't want to miss uh, our uh, minicast clip of the day today featuring the Cats and Cosby program in the way of guests 710 this morning, kicking things off live in studio. As is the case every day, we'll be Curtis Slew with 745 Andrew Napolitano, the great judge on at 745 for his weekly Thursday morning hit with Sid. We'll do Big Bad Bill O'Reilly for the second time this week at 845 a.m. Before Alan Dershowitz, he's going to join us for his final appearances of the year at 9.15, and Mike Lawler will round things out around uh, 9.35 this morning. James Flippin, the great congressman out of New York. Looking forward to it. Thursday morning program coming at you shortly.
1: Sounds good. So we're keeping our eyes on the U.N. Security Council and their vote today on a potential ceasefire resolution. The floodwaters still have not subsided in New Jersey. And Joe Nolan says he's calling it a gridlock alert day. So if you can take mass transit today, why not do so? James Flippin filling in for Noam Layden on the 77 W.A.B.C. 5 a.m. News Hour. One of the most iconic stations in the nation.